podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAPE preparation and testing along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Take advantage of their November specials. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEWH HVACTrainingSC.com to inquire. No, thank you. Hello and welcome to Lakeside Drive. In a weekend that was all about tyres, temperatures and tantrums, we also got a world champion. Thanks for joining us while we review the Qatar Grand Prix. Thomas J. Pan. Thomas J. Pan. J. Pan. You're new. Uh, you're new. <laughs> Hopefully you're wearing pants. It's look. It's early here. It's late there. We're gonna we're gonna do our best. No James today. So when I say our best, I absolutely mean doing our worst. Um, how are you, mate? I'm well, buddy. How are you? Yeah, very good. It was an exciting weekend of racing. There was a lot of racing because I'd forgotten that it was a sprint weekend um, and there was just a lot going on. And so I think for this episode we're going to focus on the main qualifying and main uh, race, but we will, of yeah. course, acknowledge Oscar Piastri's exceptional win because it is a win and that does mean you're the last two people to Win for McLaren yeah. since Jensen Button were two Australians. How, how good is that? As if Lando's even going to get a win in that car. That's where it's at at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like Tommy T and George Russell not scoring points. It'll, uh, <laughs> this will be the new version does, of that. Yeah, he does hold a record, which no driver wants, which is now I think it's like he overtook Hulk in terms of like the amount of race starts that he's had still with without a win. So not something that uh, he really wants on his record, but it'll be there for a while yet, I reckon. Um, oh. We do have a new driver's champion this weekend, Max Verstappen, we one on a Saturday. First time in a long time that's happened. What were your thoughts when he was crowned? Oh, thoroughly deserving. I mean, that car and him in that car particularly is out of this world. I don't think we've seen a better performance over a whole season ever in the history of the sport that I can remember anyway. So uh, I think he still goes on to win the last six races. Although he's not dominating the rate. Like he's he's, do- he's not dominating like he has earlier in the season. I mean, what, McLaren's were five mm. or six seconds off him. I'm not sure how much of that is just him managing the pace and managing – the the team's expectations to finish out the year or it's Red Bull have completely given up on anything to do with upgrades of this car for the last five months, hence why we haven't seen any massive performance boost from them, yet they're still winning and we're just seeing the other cars catch up. So, But, yeah, thoroughly deserving. Um, three-time champion. Jeez, we could be looking at a five-, six-time champion in three years with 100 wins and – we're going, geez, is he better than Lewis? Is he the greatest of all time? I don't think Max yeah. is the kind of driver that will drop a couple of world championships like well, world championships like Lewis has. He dropped one against Nico 
Rosberg in 16 and then the the one he lost on his debut year as well. I mean, I mean if it all went to script for Lewis, there could be a few more in there. So yeah, I don't think mm. Max is the kind of driver for that to happen. So anyway, yeah, thoroughly deserving. Congratulations to them and the team and uh, excellent. Absolutely. And he did kind of say that this is one that, that kind of feels the best because it's not shrouded in any type of controversy. It is an all-out dominance by both him as a driver and the team. And it does, as you said, really feel like the sky is the limit in terms of what they are capable of achieving um, with the combination of personnel and drivers that they have at the moment, driver singular that they have at the moment. So we'll see what happens with the second one, which could be quite telling as to how those next couple of years play out. Thinking about another big feature this weekend, which was the driving conditions um, and the drivers. So as many people would have seen, as a lot of these drivers were getting out of the car, they were struggling, really struggling. Logan retired because he was unwell and they'd said that he had had flu-like symptoms earlier in the week and that made him potentially more susceptible to dehydration. But Charles said it was twice as hard as Singapore and he said it was right on the limit. Stroll getting out of the car was incredibly laboured and said he was, he said that he felt like he was passing out in the high G corners. Ocon threw up in his helmet. Um, We had two or three drivers who took themselves into the medical centre afterwards um, and reportedly fainted. Um, Alonso said it was the most comparable race to Malaysia, which he still thinks was harder than this one. So clearly his experience there is really showing. (laughs) But exactly. Uh, But the combination of really high ambient temperatures, a three to four stop race, which basically meant that every lap was a qualifying lap, which put a huge amount of stress into their bodies, especially through those high speed corners. And I, all I could think about actually was, um, you know, running really long distances here in, in the heat. No one likes that feeling where you're just completely depleted of all your like sodium and glycogen and you've got absolutely nothing. And you get that experience of hitting the wall and it's just going, I'm conscious, but I'm actually not, I don't feel like I am. And you kind of feel like you're going to pass out and it's, or, and, or throw up. And I, you just kind of, you can, only imagine how dangerous that would be here because the one thing that I'm not dealing with when I'm running is (laughs) g-forces so you throw in on top of that you know whatever it was 60 odd laps of um four and five g corners what were your thoughts I know you might be someone who's a bit more (laughs) tough on them than perhaps I might have been but uh I'm interested to see think what your perspective was Oh look, I I am a bit I, I am that way naturally inclined. I'll suck it up, you know. Or get, <laughs> you get to do sixty quality laps. That's what we want to see as fans. We want to see these guys driving on the absolute limit all the time. I think though, to give them some credit, this is this is the culmination of of everything being at the most extreme, being the heat that they're in. Um, mm. They 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 are conditioned to be driving a car at at say seventy percent of what they can. They're not conditioned to go out and do what Weber and Alonso and you know your Hamiltons did back in two thousand and six through to two thousand and thirteen fourteen, where it was absolutely flat out the whole time. So their bodies aren't in that condition. And I think it was probably the perfect storm for all of the 
potential issues that could arise from a health perspective. I think we're pretty good at this sport. Um, you know, Max, you don't see Max complaining. Um, yeah. But I don't think that's an indication of how tough the race was either. Max said it wasn't the toughest race. So bit of a – I mm. think it's just who you speak to and maybe it's just the culture of the day that, you know, they get to openly discuss these things because it wouldn't have happened in yesteryear and that's okay. But um, I think – look, I'd just – I'd like to see them just race as hard as they can and push every single lap and not have to worry about nursing ties and then, you know, it's easier and taxing on the body. And this is the pinnacle of the sport and we want it, uh, you know, the toughest and the hardest that it can be at every stage. So, uh, yeah, probably a culmination of all the things happening at once. I think my I think my one thing, and, like, I kind of I, I hear you to a point in terms of going, yeah, we want to see the best of the best every weekend. Racing to 70% isn't reflecting what they are really capable of necessarily. The one thing I think of, though, is just how, you know, knowing physiologically how this works and the fact yeah, that yep. the likelihood if you haven't, like, carb-loaded and prehydrated and all of that type of thing, which I'm sure that many of them still would have done, is that the impact can be that you pass out and that could be catastrophic um, when it comes to driver safety. So that's the one thing that I kind of go, well, wait a second, and you don't know that until it's about to happen. And I think um, when Logan Sargent did retire, he had said already once, he's like, oh, starting to like really not feel good. Um, and then it was another couple of laps before he actually retired. So I think he was really obviously no one retired wants to. Um, he really was thinking hard about it and probably thought that he was not in a safe driving condition. You know, drivers are kind of like cars as well. You know, you can get the black and orange flag kind of not not in safe condition to drive. So I think just knowing that that could be the culmination of these types of things, it's a bit of a moot point because we are going back here at a slightly different time next year, which should mean that temperatures are lower. Because the thing is that, you know, we're talking five to seven degrees lower could make all of the difference here. Um, you know, it's, it's, it really was right on the edge, but a really interesting conversation because like you said, we just, it's not that often that we kind of see that type of, um, chat afterwards from the drivers kind of just really expressing how, how physical it was and how much of a challenge it was. The other thing that was quite, uh, the topic of the day was tires and pyramid curbs. So, we had maximum stint lengths of 18 laps to make sure that the integrity of the tyres was in place basically because they had concerns over the uh, the curb strikes on Friday. So basically what happened was that Pirelli found damage in terms of the separation of the sidewall during Friday practice, which was caused by that um, severe edge on the exit curbs. And if you haven't looked at it, go and take a look. It does literally look like the pyramids. <laughs> Yeah, pretty gnarly and certainly a really big, you know, impact in terms of how this race played out. Should they have seen this coming, Campy? What do you reckon? Uh, yes and no. This is, I mean, different tyre compounds and the way they're constructed and and just even the different shapes on some of these, uh, on some of the curbs can create things that we've never seen before in when the track's too hot too, if it had been seven or eight degrees lower, as mm. you said, it may have effect, that that affects the way the tyres operate. So you may not get the problems they arise. I think 
think they're generally pretty good on this stuff. They they know generally how they're going to work. Um, and we're a pretty safety conscious sport these days, so they're always going to go in that direction. <laughs> so, which I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind mandatory pit stops. I, I think two or three pit stops mandatory in a race is way better for us as fans. Um, it, it throws jeopardy into it. What I don't like is the mandatory length on the tyres. You know, if you can run that extra four or five laps on the tyres and then, you know, go on to a softer than end, that works out better for us as fans and strategy. But having the limits on the on the on the laps of the tyres, I don't like because that then takes some strategy out of it too. Um, but it, we we see what it creates on the other side as well. It creates well, we're not lifting and coasting. We're not we're not managing our tyre loads in order to be faster over the the duration of a race. We're basically getting in the car and going flat out all the time. And when you're driving flat out, we'll see the effects on the drivers and they'll make more mistakes, but we'll also see the effects on the cars. I mean, you think of the Mm. McLarens of yesteryear, think 99, 2000, you know, (laughs) the fastest things we've ever seen on track, but you never knew whether they were going to blow up or not at any given Make moment. Make it through the race, so, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> which, which was fun to watch. Now, I, I understand that that teams design cars now around the fact for tyre wear, and that's a big consideration. So if you take that out, that that it will alter the way that we design cars as well. So, um, yeah, it's a catch-22. It's a fine balance to get right. Do I think we've got it right at the moment? I think it needs some touching up and some 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 small changes, but I think we probably went to the extreme this weekend, only with making you know the, the having a limit on the laps you could do on tyres. So yeah, it was interesting in terms of how it also affected the way they were driving because then of course we had track limits being handed out left, right, and centre, and. Interestingly, from Lewis Hamilton's perspective, he was like, I don't really understand why we have to have that rules at, that rule at this track because of the drop on the other side of the kerb. We're going to lose so much time and get so much damage to our tyres that it's actually not in our best interests to drive in a way that's going to put you off the track. And yet every single one of them, I think, by the end of the end of the race did. So I think, you know, that definitely there was a lot going on this weekend, just like you said, this culmination of things going on. It was just the perfect storm for quite a lot of drama actually in the end. So an exciting race, regardless of kind of I suppose what anyone thinks of any of these given issues, it certainly produced uh, some exciting racing. And and the race that Carlos won, right? Where Max started from a fair way behind, so they controlled the pace of that of that race perfectly to suit their setup. So if you if you did that at a Monaco, say we're doing one minute tens for qualifying, but then in the races they're doing one minute twenty ones. There's no way guys are going to put it into the wall when these cars are capable of doing 11 seconds quicker than what they're racing, even with a full, full fuel load and, and some worn tyres, they should still be able to produce one fifteen, you know, one minute 15s and drive that car on the edge. But that is the flip side of how we do it. We're managing pace to, in order to, you know, be faster over the race distance, which I think as fans we don't want to see. No, for sure. It's we do think about what it's like from a viewpoint of the of the fan as well and the type of weekend that we get to see it at the end of the day. The other thing that was great over the weekend was our Discord. So let's go to our Discord comment of the week. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. 
This week it goes to Nick H saying, did Stroll just remember how to race craft? I'll type something in mind. <laughs> so good. We will, oh. we will talk about Stroll a bit later, but that was just the timing of it was, was perfection. So Nick H, Anya, thank you for contrib- contributing to our awesome Discord. Discord Legends of the Week, Campy, who's yours? Oh, it's got to be Hillary. She put some photos up of her dog, <laughs> Bower. And uh, yes. I just lo- – and all of the people who put photos up of their animals. I'm not I'm, – I'm literally not an animal guy. I never have been one until I got this dog and this dog stole my heart. But just the way oh. that – like we're so invested in this sport and watching it and entertained and, you know, participating in all the things that come with it. And the animals just sit there the same face every week and they want their head in the same spot on your leg. You can't see their eyes. It's tucked into a nook. So my photo goes to Hillary and Bauer for Bauer, just wherever his head was, I'm not sure where, but, yeah, I, I like that stuff. So Absolutely. Here with you for that. It's The animal content is just superb. They're, and, and they're so expressive. Um, <laughs> we, you know, when it's whatever time in the morning, they're often just a very, ungentlemanly hour and that the the interest in being there is often written all over these poor animals faces who are suffering through with you so absolutely thank you to everybody who puts potters of their beautiful animals up on our discord for me the discord legend of the week came from listless um and it was partially because of this comment which was still here wishing we had bernie this weekend rather than karoon counting tires on his fingers which <laughs> to be fair it was it was a tough weekend when it came to trying to keep track of how many laps those tyres had already done so that, you know, what was the actual 18 count? They're putting old tyres back on. They'd already done five laps. What does that mean? It's It was very tricky to keep track of. It's more the fact that it would have been a perfect weekend to have Bernie because there were so many insights that we would have loved to hear from her when it came from the strategy side of things because that was just such a big feature of the weekend. But Liz, Liz, thank you for contributing as well. You're all amazing. Um, Keep it up. Let's talk about the weekend and Tommy T's broadcast review. Question. I'm not going to ask you a question. You just you just talk, Campy. Well, look, I've got a couple of bones to pick this weekend because of All the right, obnoxious because of the obnoxious time zone that I'm currently in and having to watch some races. I I I missed the I missed the qualifying on Friday and I tried to watch a replay of it, but it didn't come up for 48 hours, so I didn't get it until the Sunday. And then I tried to watch the, what was labelled the sprint qualifying and as I was three quarters of the way through the sprint qualifying, which I thought it was, it was actually the qualifying from Friday. So oh, I, no. uh, yeah. I, was, I was fuming. So I knew Oscar had won it and I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Why did <laughs> why is, Anyway, and then I figured out what was going on. So that's my bone to pick. But the big one, <laughs> that's my bone to pick with Foxtel. The big one for me is... I, I genuinely, I genuinely like Karun. I don't think he's a bad guy, I, and his contributions a lot of the time are great. But this weekend, the Lando 
bias and horseshit that we had to put up with when clearly Oscar Piastri has made massive strides throughout the course of the season and now not just beating him on track, beating him in race pacing conditions that are harsh and harder and he's he's not quite there yet. Lando's probably still just got him on race pace and qualifying pace but you know what? Oscar is consistent. He's putting it together. And if I have to listen to any more of this bullshit about Lando being unlucky for not getting the results that he deserves and the British horse shit that comes with it, I'm going to throw something at my TV, I think. It beggars belief. He's not that good. He still hasn't won a race. Danny Rick (laughs) still won a race. Now Oscar's got a second and a first over the course of the weekend and solidified himself and arrived in Formula 1. You know, not that he hasn't been here all year, but these are the first dominant results he got. And all I hear about is, oh, how much better Lando is. Give me a fucking break. Sort it out. I think the thing which I miss from all of that is how much we should be hearing about Oscar. Imagine if he was British. Imagine if he was British and he was a rookie oh. and he was winning sprint races oh. and second in races and qualifying at the top. Like it would, that would be endless. But we're not getting it. It'd be the second coming of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. My look, my bone to pick is actually something that kind of was prompted by somebody on Discord actually just talking about this circuit, which I think was just the most accurate description ever, which is that. As fans watching, it looks like an airport. And are like, literally, <laughs> like from a broadcasting perspective, yeah. from a broadcasting perspective as a fan, it was like this whole track is just lights and tarmac and that's it. You don't go and you've got this beautiful scenery on the outside and the rolling hills and we'll pan back and there's just not a lot for them to work with, to be fair. But it is a bit of an eyesore when it comes to, you know, the – I suppose, the setting of it and and that type of thing. And obviously we've all got quite significant issues with where it is located, but we all know that cash is king, said Campy. So, you know, that just is what it is. But I just, I think maybe the combination of factors this weekend, I'm just, it's not like this location is not in my good books. Um, Did you have any thoughts about the anthem? I know that we had some Discord Discord contributors who were very excited about well, it was a pretty fantastic uh, band. It was, uh, I don't think there was a singer or anything like that. It was just the musical side of things. Very uh, professional. And we had a French horn front and centre, which I knew that we had some band nerds in our Discord that were very excited uh, about that. And apparently it might be some sort of a quite well-known uh, player there. So I think overall, what's your rating? Ah, uh, look, I didn't watch heaps of it other than I really didn't. I'll give it a six. I'm giving it a five just because I don't want drivers. I'm kind of thinking about a combination of the broadcast and the whole track and everything else. It's 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 a five out of ten because I just don't want drivers passing out and racing around airports is no fun. All right. <laughs> Do we really need another race in the Middle East? Exactly. The answer to that is absolutely not. Uh, Let's talk about our predictions um, from last week, our success and failures. Campy, I think you might be uh, gradually getting your own points here with your predictions. Not not yet having a, a full run, but not too bad as well. So, Campy, you had front row Max and Lewis. That was actually obviously not far off after Lando's lap time 
and Piastri's lap time got deleted. So he was uh, he was third, so not too bad there. Podium, you had Max, Piastri and Alonso. Well, that's two out of the three and Alonso wasn't too far off. Tenth, you had Carlos though and he did not start. So welcome to my game, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing I texted James and I can show proof of it, I said bold prediction, Ooh, Lewis okay. to die. I said Lewis to die under turn one, which I say most weeks anyway. But it actually happened this <laughs> week and he didn't read it out. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. It doesn't <laughs> I mean, count. It does not count if you say it every weekend and then it just happens well, to happen once. Like that's just a law of averages. <laughs> and just to be clear, when I say die, I mean crash. I don't mean, you know, proverbially actually die. I mean crash just for your offendable <laughs> people out there. So my prediction was front row Max and Carlos. So one of the two of them got there. Podium was Max, Lando, and Carlos. So look, again, two out of three. Good. It's just that Carlos was a long, a long way off. Um, and tenth, I had Ocon. Where did he? I think he was about eighth in the end, or seventh or eighth. So not, not terrible. Um, and plus, I put someone in tenth, and they got to finish the race. So well done, Ocon. James Love that. Love had that. front row, Max and Lando. Could have been very close, but not quite. Uh, Podium, Max, Charles and Lewis, not so much. And 10th was Joe, who was in fact in the points this weekend, which was very exciting. So I think we've broken a bit of a curse of not the not the most terrible predictions for, for this weekend, um, but we'll see how that goes for, for Texas, which will be interesting. All right, let's get into our team-by-team team analysis Starting from who I have put on the back, which is Haas. So Hulkenberg qualified 15th, finished 16th. He had a penalty because he started in Carlos Sainz's grid spot, which was not the ideal start to the race. K-Mag 19 and finished in 14th. Not an awesome weekend for this team, Campy. No, once again, the Haas is, if you look at Ferrari's post, that'll show us where Haas is going to be. Um, Oh, I felt sorry for Hulkenberg's start going into Carlos's spot. I don't completely understand how it happened, and I think when he pulled in, he knew exactly what he'd done, but you can't go backwards on these things and there's nothing you can do about it. So unfortunately for him, he got that penalty. Um, qualify, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're generally pretty good in qualifying. I would have thought that this race with the with the tyres and – and the strategy to, you know, run a maximum in laps, so it was a three-stopper or a two-stopper if you did what Max did. Um, I thought that would probably suit the Haas a bit more, but it just didn't eventuate. Just just showed some general lack of pace all weekend, really. Yeah, I thought that might have been a bit of an opportunity for those back-running teams, especially for Haas because they do tend to struggle with with tyre deg. It, I thought it might be more of an opportunity for them in comparison to kind of what played out. But K-Mag had some good battles at, at points, um, but all in all a kind of pretty nothing weekend for them. I completely agree with you in that I, you can just see yourself pulling into that that grid spot at the start and then going, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm not meant to be here. But like you said, there's no way out after that. Alpha Tari, we had Liam Lawson qualifying 18th, finishing 17th. Yuki Tsunoda qualified 11th, finished 15th. Liam Lawson will have learned a lot this weekend. I think for the rookies here, 
it was actually a lot to take away. Once they get rehydrated and they can think straight again, they had tyre strategy, they had restarts, they had dealing with temperatures and that type of thing, sprint weekend, all sorts of variables to learn about being thrown at them. Liam Lawson, do you still think he's uh, overrated? <laughs> oh, sorry, this was the first. I mean, did he make that mistake in the race or the sprint race? I'm trying to, uh, where he put it off himself. There was sort of three wide into a, torn, a corner and the car I oversteered. I think that he, was in the sprint. Yeah, it was in the sprint. So, yeah, that was would have been front, yeah, because that pulled out one of the 500 safety cars we saw in that, mm. so, in that sprint race. Yeah. Um, <sighs> No, he's not. I don't mean he's overrated. I didn't mean it to put like that. <laughs> I was just trying to put a level on the hype that and the opinions of some people out there because I'm not sure it was as warranted once you take into all the all the facts into account. But this was uh, this was the weekend that he probably needed to have. Uh, he got you know beaten by his teammate pretty convincingly in both qualifyings and. Uh, and but do I hold it against him? No, he's 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 taken he's taken his shot in F one, and he's you know he's got the he's got the deal with Red Bull next year. So whether it, that puts him into a not the top drive, probably the Alpha Tauri, depending on how that seat works out. But he's definitely in that organisation, and they want him. So it's good. It'll probably be his last race uh, from all accounts. Danny Rick had another good test in the simulator this week, so he'll be good to go in Austin, which is his favourite race and uh, the greatest country in the world over there in Texas. So I'll do say that with a bit of tongue-in-cheek. But, yeah, look, not a great weekend for Alpha, Alpha Tauri, uh, the boss, the boss, the boss Tauri. So, um, anyway, yep. they'll be looking to score some points pretty consistently in the last six races. I think Austin will suit that car, so they'll be looking forward to that one moving yeah, moving up. Yeah. I, I'm i hoping that they have a, a bit more of a points haul in Austin. I think it was a pretty tough weekend for both of them by the sounds of things. Like Yuki did all right um, qualifying in 11th, I think, just given everything. Um, and he had a few lap times deleted and things like that when he was, he was doing all right. So, again, a bit of a kind of mediocre weekend but a lot going on as well and hopefully they come back fighting fish in Austin. Williams. So obviously we had Sargent qualified 16th and didn't finish after he retired feeling very unwell and was obviously physically really struggling when he got out of that car, which was the right call to make. And, you know, I think when it comes to driver safety, it's so rare that you have a driver saying, I don't think I can do this, that the team has to back them. You know, they have to get the behind them to say, let's look after you. I don't think you know, given that it's just such a rarity, you have to trust the drivers that they know their bodies and they know what they're capable of. So, yes, like, like I think like everyone was like, oh, Williams, that's so wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, sure it is. But also what else are you going to do? Say no, just suck it up. Like absolutely not. Um, so they did they did the right thing but also, you know, this is they, they couldn't have done the wrong thing in, in that scenario. So Albon qualified 14th finished in 13th. He had a couple of penalties, I think, um, because of track limits. And he was one who I think did go off to the medical center afterwards, um, and struggling there. But what are your thoughts when it comes to Sergeant? We've had Williams come out and support him, I suppose, verbally, but not with the piece of paper that means everything. That he wants. Does he want, I don't think he's done enough for a seat. 
next year. So, and they've got Albon in their car. Who replaces him then? Mick Schumacher. Yep. That's the logical, yep. but, the logical, mm. but I don't think there's anyone coming up in F2 that really excites me um, other than Dylan, but I mean, that's just because he's an Aussie. Um, and he's had a pretty good second half of the year considering the start he's had, and he, but he's with Alpine anyway, so I prefer to see Dewan in that Alpine spot and get rid of either Gasly or Ocon, but Alpine are pretty pig-headed there. So the only one that makes sense is is Mick Schumacher, but apparently he's done some testing with Williams and they're not interested. So that is, you know, that's an interesting thing too because I think Mick did okay against uh, K-Mag in his second year, but unfortunately, I mean, the first year he's racing against that, racing against that Russian guy, uh, Mazepin. So... And he, he he beat him comfortably throughout the year, but it's not a great measuring stick and learning curve that you should be on when you first get into the sport. So uh, I think Mercedes have probably just got him there as a name at the moment because, you know, they had a, obviously had a great relationship with his dad. I would expect a team to throw some resources around Mick Schumacher, but he may have... May have done his dash like some of the famous sons. Look at uh, Senna's son and Nelson Pico Jr. and some of these ones that have have had their shot in F1 and made it more so because of their name. I'm not, Mick did everything right to get into Formula One, but he just didn't. Yeah, just didn't get the job done. So to answer your question, I don't know who takes the seat. Who do you think, Fra? I think that's that's the dilemma, right? Is that we can say he hasn't really done enough for a seat, but then what's your alternative? And that's where I can as much as, and that's kind of how I feel as well. I don't think that it's worth the, uh, considering the time and effort that they have put into developing Sergeant, I don't think it also makes sense for them to just let him have had a one year run and start, start all over again, really with somebody else. So as much as I think that there could be other drivers who in the next year or two um, would be better placed in that car, I think for now it's just one of those, like it's a bit of a sunk cost really <laughs> in terms of going we've spent all this money and time developing you, you're here, so we're just going to keep on with that and especially if they have tested Mick and that hasn't been super impressive, as much as I don't think he's you know, going to necessarily have a super amount of success in the sport. I do think that he'll probably end up with a seat next year simply because, um, as a few people have pointed out, I don't think Red Bull are going to be super keen to push Liam Lawson on loan and there's nobody else really who at this point um, would be potentially any any better. Let's talk about Alpine. You've just mentioned them. So Gasly qualified seventh, finished in 12th. He had a software-related energy recovery and deployment issue, so I think he was struggling all through the race um, in order to, so probably did the best with what he had um, this weekend. Ocon had something happen, which I just don't want to think too much about, which was being physically unwell around lap 15 and 16, and he was one of the ones who said that he was really, really struggling, and that was quite early in the race. And he said, oh, my goodness, it's going to be a really long, it's going to be a long, hard race if this is how I'm already feeling. Alpine, you've mentioned uh, that they are going to be pretty dog-headed when it comes to, you know, their drivers and and not kind of budging on what they have kind of committed to with these two. 
Do you feel like they are reaching their full potential with the drivers that they currently have? Uh, it's it's a tough one. I don't rate Ocon, and my 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 rationale for Ocon is the year that he had against Danny Ricardo and Danny Rick not only dominated him over one lap, but it was the race pace that was the most staggering difference between the two drivers for me. I expected Gasly to come in and probably beat Ocon convincingly, but I don't think that's been the case. I think Ocon, I mean, Ocon got a podium and as did Gasly as well this year. So um, if you take those out, I think they've been pretty even points-wise, but I, I, I think Ocon's probably got the record over qualifying and probably just in the races, but only by a couple. Um, and that's not following them. That's just off the top of my head. Um Ocon for me, every time I see them, he seems to be on top, but that might not be a reflection of the reality of the situation. So I just don't rate either of them. And and that's that that's where I'm at for this team and this organization. I think the organization's got a lot of growing up to do as well. And uh they need to figure it out. Do I think Doohan's the best fit for that car coming in? Oh, as an Aussie, I want to see him on the grid, but I'm not sure that Dewan's probably ready for that spot. But he is in the number one seat to get it. So if they are, why have a junior program if you're not going to exploit it and actually use it? So yeah, I think I think it's an organisation that is going. They're going to be probably for the time being until they sort their kind of house out. It's not someone people are going to be flocking to because it doesn't feel organised or in sync in terms of what they are trying to achieve. And I think that's the thing we're seeing with some of these other teams now. They're really starting to go, these are our goals on track and this is what we're going to do in the organisation to help make sure that that happens and make sure that we have the same culture when it comes to performance on and off track to make sure that we actually get the results that we're after. And I think there's just so much going on with Alpine at the moment that, um, you know, they're probably lucky to have the drivers that they do, quite frankly, and it makes sense for them obviously being French. But I just I don't think they're going to be somebody who's ever going to get kind of a, a top pick of drivers until they sort themselves out a little bit, quite frankly. it's It just feels very disjointed as an organisation and how they're coming together and sorting out, for example, what's been going on with Ocon and Gasly because of the last race with obviously that whole, you know, team orders situation, which I don't think has been sorted out as much as they've both said, we've discussed it and it's fine. Tell me it's not fine without telling me, you know, they were clearly unimpressed with whatever had been communicated. And that's a dynamic that the organization has to manage between those two drivers. And I'm like, and if you can't get your own, you know, organization kind of in check and in sync and you add a variable like that with two drivers who are potentially not the most um, compatible, let's put it that way, things are going to get really complicated and it just doesn't feel like either of them are particularly settled this week. That said, I think they did have a, like they qualified really well um, both in like, you know, both in the, into Q3 and, you know, the race results are, are what they are, but they just need to get their shit together quite frankly. Sorry, I will say that. Team orders are a story if it's Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull. It's not a mm. story at Alpine. They are not fighting at the top. They are not fighting for race wins. It shouldn't even be a story. It should be if another guy's faster and this suits or may or may not help us on track, 
Let them pass. Don't don't argue. Just do it. They don't need to sort yeah. it out. Don't address it with the drivers. Don't even give a shit about their attitudes or their egos that come into it. Let it go because they're trying to get the best outcome for the team at this stage. I would agree, agree with that. And the thing is that by arguing it, you're just setting the whole team back. Um, like it does more damage than than good and you discuss it afterwards. All right, let's take a quick break. Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAIC preparation and testing along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Take advantage of their November specials. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEWH backtrainingsc.com to register. And we're back. Let's talk about Aston Martin. As you can imagine, I have some thoughts, but before I share them, uh, Alonso qualified in fourth, finished in sixth. He had a bit of a scary moment when he rejoined the track. He also had a really hot seat. Uh, what did you think of how he took on this weekend, Campy? Oh, look, I think these are the sorts of weekends that Alonso loves. You know, yes, it's a challenging physically and he's, he said it was physical, you know, and sometimes that's just Fernando playing up to the storylines and being the great actor <laughs> off track that he can be sometimes. But this is the sort of racing he loves, you know. This is going back to yesteryear fighting, you know, quality laps all the time. And, and I, there, it does not surprise me one bit that he put it on P4. The car's not as good as it was at the start of the year, and I think the McLarens and the Mercedes clearly jumped him, jumped that the jumped that car. So for him to finish sixth, yeah. that is a great result for him. And and where he, where, you know, it's, uh, he's maximising the potential out of that car, and he does that year in, year out. It doesn't matter what machinery is in, he, he gets the results and, and 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 puts the car in places where it shouldn't be. The other hand, you've got his teammate in Stroll, and I'll let you finish talking about that. But that message <laughs> I woke up to on Saturday morning from you about his performance on Friday was excellent. So <laughs> it's all right. So look, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep this short because if I don't try, I'll go on forever. But, and look, I think like anyone who's listened to our last two episodes will know that we have taken a data-driven approach to Stroll's performance. We've also taken a more uh, subjective approach to Stroll's performance. But this weekend, it just all came to a head. Now, I think the thing is, I will say that the footage that we had from the garage, I don't think is clear enough as to what actually happened to make any accusations or say Aston Martin need to blah, 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 whatever. I don't actually think it's clear enough as to what did or didn't happen in that moment as he walked around the corner and he obviously shoved something, whether that was in fact his trainer or whether that was a wall or whether he was pushing something out of the way. I just I just don't think it's clear enough from that footage to say what happened. What we can say is how he behaved in the media pen afterwards. Now, it might not be physical and we can say, look, emotions are really high, he's having a really terrible weekend, he's under so much pressure, blah, blah, blah. However, 
We have seen any number of drivers in the same situation, if not under much more significant pressure, not treat people in that way. And I think that's the part for me that I just go, don't take it out on a reporter just because you had a terrible qualifying. Um, it was just really disrespectful and unprofessional, I think. Um, and the, the big thing here is I just go, after we've seen behaviour like that this weekend, I think it's a massively missed opportunity for Aston Martin not to have come out and say, we will be dealing with this matter internally. We never condone behaviour of this nature and rest assured that we will be, you know, taking steps appropriately as an organisation. Because regardless of what did or didn't happen at the back of that garage, everyone wants answers, right? And I think I had a really interesting conversation um, with a few people about this yesterday in terms of saying like, is it really our business to kind of get stuck into what Aston Martin should be doing in response to that? And I was like, well, first of all, they need to actually know what happened. And we don't really. But at the same time, obviously something did. He threw his steering wheel out of the out of the car. Now I've been told that apparently he will be made to pay for any damage that was caused by that. But to me, it's actually not even about, it's not the cost thing, right? It's made of money. So that's hardly going to affect any type of motivation to change behavior. Um, It's the respect that you are showing for your team who are working their butts off to help you have the best weekend possible, which, and to me that that's just not on. And the last thing I'll say about this as well is just the environment. And I think the, when you are in a garage like that, it's a dangerous place. Do you know what I mean? Like as much as they have things as neat and tidy as they can and as organized as they can, there are machinery, there's fuel, there's people, there's, you know, there's a reason why all the mechanics are wearing helmets as well. It's a dangerous environment. You know, it's not something you can just stroll around in, lol, and throw throw wheels around and shove things. Like from a safety perspective, you'll love this campy, it's not a place where, where you can behave in that way. You know, it's similar to like a construction site, right? Like pull your shit together. <laughs> Yeah, and the only thing I'll say is that like, I can understand a driver getting out and being frustrated within the confines of his garage and behind a wall and I remember Danny Rick punched a hole in the wall yeah. once after something yeah. happened and I understand that and that is to- that is totally reasonable. But you get your split. Yep. You, you get your you get your five seconds where you lash out. It's not to somebody else. It's you know whatever it looks like behind there because we don't want to speculate. But he probably just pushed a wall, punched something. As you get your five seconds, but after that, as an adult, you I mean you're not a, a ten year old going through your learning to I don't know what the word is regulate your emotions. Yep. Do not go into the Very bullpen and act like the fucking yeah. spoon-fed little shit you've been for your whole life and play up to uh, – for me, that's just – that says it all right. It, it's, yeah. Don't, yeah, anyway. It's – no, and I, look, we'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that when we'll let the rest of it happen on track where we hope to try and – maintain the bounds of the commentary around people's performance. Um, let's talk about Alpha Romeo. Um, double points. We're all very excited. Bottas, yeah, absolutely great result. Bottas uh, qualified ninth, finished eighth. Joe qualified 20th, finished ninth. That's uh, great. That's great. It's so great. I'm very excited about um, this team this weekend. 
Big claps to Ruth Buscombe. Their uh, their strategist did a phenomenal job this weekend helping them to have a strategy that allowed them to get both those points. I will say that as a team they had a heap of tyres, <laughs> especially with Joe because he was obviously they didn't use them up in Q2 and Q3. Um, so they probably had a little bit more to play with, a little bit more to work with there. But how good was it to see them both in the points at the end, Campbell? Oh. Uh, this is the race where, you know, they threw up some jeopardy and it wasn't going to play out like the last 20 races had. So they just made the most of their opportunities. They clearly had some pace and we know degradation for them has been a big issue uh, over the over the time and this, this situation really worked and suited for them. But the best thing is, is like they took, they made the most of their opportunity. They went out and they actually got the results and do we love seeing Bodass on in the points, oh, absolutely, because we know he's capable of a great <laughs> driver. And, but double points, that's yeah. just amazing for the team. And, you know, it's it's not, it's not a win. We'll never treat it like a win, but that's as good as it gets for that team. And hopefully they can do it one more, one or two more times for the rest of the year. And, you know, I, I mean, those sort of results, what they do for organisations behind closed doors and everybody, oh, yeah, mm. we're in for a sniff, you know, because – extra yep. spring in their step moving forward and yeah, oh, it's good to see. Absolutely. Let's talk about the other red team, Ferrari. We had Signs who qualified in 12th. He didn't start. He had a fuel system issue on his car and when they took a look at it, they said it was going to take too long to fix in time to get him on the grid, which was devastating. You never want to see a car not start for, for that reason. It just, you know, it takes away from the race and it means that we have one less driver, one less decent driver as well in this scenario um, who's in the mix. Leclerc qualified fifth, finished fifth. He finished like four seconds behind Russell and he had a few battles along the way, but he kind of had a bit of a lonely race. Yeah, a bit of no man's land, but that's where the Ferrari was this weekend. We, we've seen them on uh, on circuits where they've done really well, but, you know, they, they really were. They were, they were never going to fight further up the grid than what they wanted and I don't think they would have been in the fight with, with if – if you know they would have dropped back if Lewis had to finish the race too, so they were the fourth best car this weekend, and that's a shame for them. But um, shame for Carlos. I mean, the sprint race that move he made on Leclerc or to hold the position. Carlos has got a big stick between his teeth at the moment, and he's not giving Leclerc an inch anywhere. And I think it's starting to show. Um, you know, just in the way that they're racing each other, I think Carlos can still do some work over one lap to sort of solidify his starting positions above his teammate. But, yeah, I think, hey, Ferrari won a race this year. I think at the end of the year they'll, they won't they will be happy with their <laughs> results, but they'll be able to pat themselves on the back and say we're the only team to do it. And uh, with, what, five races left, I don't can't see Red Bull or Max giving up the ghost, but they may have a couple of tracks that suits their car very well and they might be right back on pace and get some results. But, yeah, Bit of no man's no man's land this weekend for Charles. Mercedes, we had Russell qualified in second, uh, finished in fourth. Now he had to come back from I don't know exactly where he was, but back at the pack somewhere after he was shunted by Hamilton, and obviously we heard his thoughts pretty quickly after that, which is fair enough. And to be like, <laughs> we're none of us are huge George Russell fans, but what I will say is that after he kind of got it out of his system. Uh, about how frustrated he was, which is fair enough. You've just been driven off the track by your teammate. Totally fair enough. He then got on with his race and he came back from having been shunted to fourth and 
you know, for a minute there potentially thinking that he was on for a podium. So I think that's actually quite impressive um, when it comes to being able to make up those places, refocus and get yourself back into a really solid position. Uh, Hamilton obviously qualified third. Uh, DNF because of that Brit on Brit crime and we have heard that he's now had a fine for crossing the track because after he got out of his car, he then walked across the track while it was a hot track, which means that he's had a non-driving reprimand, €50,000 fine. Half of that is suspended for the remainder of the season, providing that there is no further breach of a similar nature, but just a bit of a dumb move, right? I can see why he walked back, crossed it, because if he had gone to the outside of the track, probably would have taken him 45, 50 minutes to get back to the pit lane. All he had to do was cross that one road and he was back on the inside and he was, you know, realistically on, you know, he'd come out on the, just at the end of the, uh, of that straight on turn one. Jeez, get it together, mate. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I can see what, I can see why he did what he did. Uh, reprimands. Oh. <sighs> Who cares? That's semantics yeah. for me. There's this shit about like 25 grand. Ah, oh, well, that's, he'll probably say, yeah, well, it's worth my time. Take so my one earring I'll out. There you again. go. There's my 25 <laughs> as, for the, uh, as for the crash, I could see what he was trying to do. I just think Lewis got it a bit wrong. I, mm. I don't think – I mean, he took the blame and yeah. he, he can take the blame and no one's going to say anything to him and – it's easier for him to just say, yeah, it was my fault, sorry. Whereas inside, I probably think that he thinks it probably wasn't as much his fault as as the ownership he took for it. Because I'm looking at it, and I, yeah, well, the reality is when they made contact, George Russell was behind the other two cars. Yes, he got squeezed and three doesn't go into two and it was always going to happen. Hamilton probably should have left a bit more room, but... Yeah. Look, it's just a it's a racing incident on the first lap. These things happen. So I'm not too fussed about it. Yeah, I think he probably like he obviously knew that he was there but didn't realize quite how close he was and therefore how much more space he needed to leave. Like I definitely call it a, a racing incident. A bit kind of um irresponsible I suppose. Um but it is also also lap 1. Um you can see why George is frustrated, but again this is kind of how it's done, right? You have if you have an issue within the team, you both say your piece and then you get on with it. And Hamilton, after crashing out, didn't then go to the media pen and take it out on a reporter, to be clear. Anyway, let's go to McLaren. Two of the fastest pit stops of the season, a 1.8 and a 1.9, which is just a phenomenal effort to the pit stop crews over at McLaren. Well done. That's very, very impressive. Again, in, in, in serious temperatures as well, right? And when you're doing so many of them in a race, this is probably not where we expected that type of um, you know record to, to be broken So for the season. So well done to you. That must have been very intense, um, intense work. Piastri, our boy, qualified sixth, finished second, driver of the day, made us so proud as a nation just handling the most awkward situations with the grace and just awkward humour that is starting to become his absolute trait and I just love it so much. The amount of messages that I got from non-Australians going, this guy is 
so fantastic. We just absolutely love his attitude. And my my favourite part actually of all of those little media moments was in the cool down room and he's lying on his back and someone, and he, and someone says, uh, oh, was it, um, was it Mercedes, George who crashed into Russell? Oh, sorry, George who crashed into Russell, fry our words. Was it Hamilton and George who came together? And he said, yeah, and he just goes, huh. <laughs> no words just so brilliant all right that's that's me done gushing oscar love you campy how proud are you oh super proud it's great to see i mean this is what we wanted for the aussie driver on the grid right i mean it's left a big hole in our in our podcast heart with danny rick finishing up last year and then not racing for the majority this year and we, we were trying to get excited about Oscar, but we didn't really know much about him. And he was in that McLaren that, you know, at the start of the year that had the aerodynamics of a fridge and couldn't perform anywhere. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, look, am I proud, mate? Oh, I'm stoked for the kid. And he's he's funny. He actually reminds me of Weber when he talks and opens his mouth. Yeah. He, um, he, he's a bit, <laughs> he's quite, like, Weber was quite reserved and very thoughtful in what he said and, Oh, look, we'll watch this kid grow up over the next five or six years and grow into anyone that he wants to be. And from all accounts, he's a cracking kid off track. Um, but he's, you know, he's, he's he's doing all the right things for the team and, you know, the brand and the representing the team at the moment. And, uh, oh, it's just super stoked for him. He's a, he's, a, he's a genuine talent, which I really like. So hopefully he can get in a world championship winning car and he will get his chance at one stage. And if he's here for the next... 10 to 15 years, like that's where his career trajectory is at the moment. I mean, all the drivers on the grid will be gone by then, probably except for Lewis until he drives to 50 by that stage. So <laughs> he's got a red eye. He's, he's really in the box seat to get a top drive in the best car at some stage. So great to see. I just hope he continues it throughout the rest of the year. And who knows, we could see him win in Melbourne next year. How good would that be? That would be exceptional, absolutely exceptional. And Norris, who qualified in 10th, finished in 3rd. An interesting kind of race for him. We we talked about team orders earlier. Okay, they're not a Red Bull or a Ferrari and they weren't going for the win, but at the end of it, Norris was told to hold position. He wasn't happy about it, which... You know, fine. Um, was that the right call? Absolutely, it was the right call. If you look, if we go back to Japan or the race where he lost, I think the Japan he lost eighteen seconds on one of the stints of the tires. So we know Oscar's biggest problem with his car compared to his teammate at the moment, when he's trying to manage tires and he's trying to e- e- extract pace out of a car where he's not driving it on the limit, and he is. He is coasting into corners and he, he's still learning how to maximise the potential and the pace out of these tyres, hence why he's losing such big, big, big gaps of time to his teammate. But it's generally on the option compound. It's generally not on the starting compound or the one he, or the one he qualified on or the fastest one. It seems to be that he hits a hard or a C4 or a C5 or something like that and that's where he's losing his time. So to come into this race and – Let's be real. I mean, the gap that Norris made up to him was only five or six seconds after the pit stops and he made up some time for the undercut or the overcut that he did and stuff like that. 
For Oscar to be able to manage the race pace throughout the whole race the way that he did, I think speaks volumes of the growth that he's making. But what uh, what what good would that McLaren organisation do to swap them around? It's not going to gain them any more points. The only thing it's going to affect is the driver's standings and who gives a shit about the driver's standings if you're not winning. And it just creates tension in the team that doesn't need to be there. And I don't think Lando had the pace to pass him on track if he needed to do it anyway. So Not with two laps to go. Totally, it would be different totally. if you had another 15 laps and there was potential to try and attack the person in front. When the person in front is Max Verstappen and he's driven off into the summer, there is absolutely nothing to, to be gained. And in the in the time that he had left, that's the big thing. I'm like, if you had 15 laps left, I can see why he would say, let us race and, you know, just be careful. Fine. I can see that. But when you've got one and a half laps to go, um, it's just, it is unnecessary. But uh We'll see how they manage, again, that dynamic because Piastri is not a number two driver and so it'll be interesting to see how they manage that moving forward when you know that both of them are both capable and motivated for every single race win. Let's move on to Red Bull finally. We had a new world champ, well, same world champion, but a reconfirmed world champion in uh, Max Verstappen, so an epic drive from him, like you said, the the dominance here has kind of um, plateaued a little bit. We're not seeing those kind of <laughs> you know thirty second uh, wins anymore, but it's still not under any type of threat. Although Verstappen did say he said it wasn't quite as comfortable as some of the other ones, so maybe he feels the pressure when they come within ten seconds of him. Um, but something always tells me that he's got something up his sleeve. Uh, Perez he qualified thirteenth finished in 10th but started from the pit lane. Um, he had a change to a heap of power unit components and made lots of changes on the car, basically including a new set chassis, so after his crash in the sprint. So he started from the pit lane because of that. He did finish. The, there were obviously um, track limit penalties left, right and centre, so this is not something that, you know, is unique to Perez, but he did have three track limit penalties in this race. Horner's still backing him, Campy. He's still saying he's under contract. We want him to start next year. Do you think that's going to happen? I've always said if you're going to be a teammate of Max Verstappen and Max is going to do what Max is going to do, you need to be within three and a half tenths of him in qualifying and you at least need to be with the best car on the grid. You need to be consistently second or on the podium every time. And you were there as a rear gunner to help out whatever strategy the team needs. This him starting from pit lane or qualifying in thirteenth, albeit from deleted times, which is unfortunate for him. But this is in that car to not get into Q three. I think it's eight or nine times now this year. That's just not acceptable. And clearly the race, clearly the pace is not there. Uh, for whatever reason, he's struggling big time. And I, if he has, I would be surprised if Red Bull aren't having the conversations already. I think the conversation, in my mind, it's already made up. I think Danny Rick breaking his hand and missing out on five or six races has thrown a bit of a spanner in the works for Red Bull in the sense that they want to give Danny Rick half a year and then say, oh, he's performed really well, so let's get him in. I don't think they can do that after six races, hence why they're still saying he's contracted, blah, blah, blah. 
But if he does this a couple more times in a row or, you know, doesn't get on the podium at least three times out of the next, or regardless of where, I think, look, the guy's under pressure and not not being on the front row in this car is unacceptable. That's the reality. With knowing what Max does in this car, you've got to be at least second. Yeah, I kind of apply that t- three-tenths rule and that's kind of what we're looking at. So, you know, that's what we've done with, with Aston Martin when we were looking at the data side of that. You know, Stroll very much pushes the, the absolute bottom of the three-tenths rule when it comes to Alonso and I think we can apply that same kind of logic here with um, with the Red Bull teammates. It's just that the difficulty is that your bar is so much higher and so if that driver is not as close in their, you know, skill, um, and also, but I think I think there's a confidence thing there, which is just massive. I think we it's very easy to underestimate how how much that that plays out, both in terms of confidence in the car, but also confidence in yourself and in the team and people rallying around you. Um, I just think that you know all of this stuff just gets on a kind of treadmill so quickly as soon as you have a few inconsistent results. Plus, you've got the media side of things and and everything else. Um, you can see how it all just adds up and equals a, a huge amount of, of pressure, which doesn't necessarily, you know, create the conditions for success either. So I don't, like, I don't, I don't be too harsh and then I kind of go, you know, it's a, it is a difficult situation that you, that you are in. But even if we apply that three-tenths rule, I haven't looked at the data for those two the way I did with, um, with the Aston Martin pair, but it'll be interesting to see where he comes within that. But it's the consistency for me. It's, it's even if you're not second or third, at least consistently, be you know within that that kind of limit um behind your teammate it's the the really poor qualifying the crashing the it's the those inconsistencies that i think and that's where i do wonder you know how much of it is is kind of just where his head is at at the moment or if we yeah. go back to baku this year after baku i mean max Got into second, and it like the gap was six or seven seconds to Perez, and I thought, oh, he's just going to mow this down, absolutely destroy Checo here. No, Checo held pace and you know and won that thing, and he was seven points behind Max in the World Drivers Championship. Two races later, he was forty-five points down, <laughs> you know, because he 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 stuffed up a qualifying mister, and I was I remember saying at the time that forty points is a race win. And a extra point for a for the fastest lap for eight races now, for the rest of the year. There's no way he's going to be able to win that. That gap is insurmountable. And since then, it's just faded and got worse and worse. So anyway, all credit to Max and Red Bull and excellent. Hopefully, you can get an exciting driver as in Danny Rick next year into the number two. So Danny Rick can come in and get another. 10 wins and take it up to Max in the World Championship race and hopefully Max breaks his hand, misses six races and Danny Rick brings one (laughs) home. (laughs) Talking about things that we would love to see and some bold predictions, there you have it. All right, Campy, who was your driver of the day? Oscar. That's the only way you're allowed to say his name, by the way, as well. Oscar. It's like the Roger Roger Federer. Roger. (laughs) 
For me, it's gonna, I'm actually going to go to Joe this weekend because I think coming from 20th and finishing in the points is really impressive given the car that he had. And like you said, he optimised all the opportunities that he had this weekend. So for me, um, Joe, Alfa Romeo, you're my, you're my team this weekend. That is it from us today. Campy, thank you so much for joining me at that late hour. I feel like with your your kind of gradually easing off and I'm trying to wake up now. So it's uh it's a tricky one to manage. But thank you for staying up. Thank you for joining me and we'll see you in the greatest country in the world. Yeah, you will. <laughs> you will. We're coming up to that. So is that is that two weeks away? You're going to be there as well, aren't you? I am going to be there. It is two weeks away. So any of our Lakeside Drive listeners, if you are going to the Austin Grand Prix, let me know. Um, I will be there. We're very excited about it. It is. It's only two weeks away, and then we kind of we're really starting towards um, the end of the season, um, kind of winding down those last last couple of races, but. We can't wait to see what they do at this track. It's such a fantastic event. We've got um, uh, F1 Academy as well racing at Texas, which will be fantastic. There's a lot to happen there, but we will be joining you for a preview episode for the Texas Grand Prix. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the show, you can head over to our website and buy some merch. You can jump onto wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars, not that hard. Um, And of course, jump on over to our Discord. It is a really fun place to be. See you next time. And YouTube. We need need those YouTube subscribers. As soon as we hit a thousand subscribers on YouTube, James will lose his mind. (laughs) (laughs) He just won't ever come back. He'll be like, I'm done. That's it. I've hit my thousand subs. Never to be seen again. Never to be seen again. Sports Social Podcast Network.